How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings from the frozen tundra of middle Georgia. Good Lord, people, it's cold out. My God. I mean, it was 16 degrees when I woke up this morning. I had to smuggle my Eden Pure heater, space heater, into the office today without security seeing it because it's just frigid. Pay no attention to what I just said, security. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, the full number, 877-973-7425. It is cold. It's cold everywhere. We'll get into the cold. There are lots of stories about the cold. Of course, everyone wants to talk about global warming except me. I got to begin with actually the biggest story of the day. This actually is the biggest story of the day, and we should treat it as the biggest story of the day, though many will not wish to treat it. Before I actually tell you what it is, I've got to play you this old thing. Back during the Obama days, Charlie and I worked up a a piece of of, um, music, an, an interlude, a sketch, if you will, because the Obama administration was, was bending over backwards to avoid uh, upsetting the Russians in matters where we needed strong leadership. And it holds up over time. Hi, I'm a man. And as a man, I know what men do. Men fix things like cars or the Veterans Administration. Men take action like when to defend a friend or tell Russia enough is enough. Men make decisions, like when to take out the trash or fire someone at the IRS. Real men lead. They don't dither. You know what men don't do? Sit down to pee. You heard me. More and more of these hand-wringing feminine squatters are being put in positions of power. And as a man, a man who stands when he pees, this ever-growing epidemic needs to be addressed. You know, Willie Nelson once wrote, Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Well, folks, I'm here to say, don't let your boys grow up to be men that sit down to pee. Because those aren't real men. They're liberals. And I hate liberals. Mama, don't let your boys grow up to be men that sit down it just holds up over time folks it does i can tell that jake sullivan the national security advisor to the president of the united states is a man who squats to pee look at what they've done they took the houthi off the terror watch list they they took the houthi off the list of designated terrorist organizations that donald trump did Today, 
they're having to put them back on the list, except they don't want to technically do it because they don't want to be accused of, of reversing to a, by, to a Trump position. So they will re-sanction the group as a global terrorist organization, but won't put them on the terrorist organization list. So the Houthi will still be able to get visas. There will be no criminal penalty for supporting them. And U.S. banks will not be allowed to seize their funds. If they were on the terror list, they could. Just by sanctioning them, they can't. And they are a terror group. The Houthi are colonizers in Yemen, and they are slave traders. Now, this is hilarious, and, and, and you need to understand this. The Houthi literally are slave traders and own slaves. And the woke intersectionalists are siding with the Houthi because of their the melanin in their skin. They're darker than the Israelis, so they must be the oppressed class of people. And the Houthi are literal slave owners. The Houthi enslave people in their communities. And, and there was actually a Palestinian, of course it was a Palestinian journalist, who were defending the Houthi, saying it's not all of them. It's not officially sanctioned. And the laws in Yemen prohibit slavery. The law prohibits slavery, but the Houthi own slaves, so they're also lawbreakers. They have their literals. Like, can you wrap your mind around this? You need to wrap your mind around this. That the Houthi are literal slave traders and owners. They, the Houthi, own slaves. They have enslaved a population. No, they don't pick cotton, but they pick crops in the field. They do the water to the plants. They tend to the people. They are forced against their will. They will be murdered if they don't. They are literal slave-owning populations that Jake Sullivan and, and the peace squatters of the Biden administration have turned a blind eye to for so long. The Houthi have been funded by Iran. They have in, in, engaged missile, built missiles, acquired missiles and weapons, a uh a group of uh, naval vessels today were able to stop an Iranian vessel headed to Yemen to give them more missiles. They've hit multiple ships. They fired at the U.S. military. They fired missiles to target Israel, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates. And what has this administration done? They have attacked them with press releases and hashtags. But let's step back further. They took the Houthi off the foreign terrorist organization designated list because there was a famine. And the Houthi, well, they may work their slaves harder. During the famine, they were short of food. They, they might eat the slaves. So we needed to take them off the terror list because we needed to give them supplies. And so we supplied them. And what did they do with the supplies? Well, they turned around and attacked us. The peace squatters in the Biden administration, they decided they needed to rethink Iran. So they allowed Iran to sell oil. We gave Iran access to their frozen bank accounts. And what did they do? They sent the money to Hamas and Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah to murder a bunch of Jews. These guys, they're all academic. They don't actually live in the real world. They live in the world 
of refined debate and academic simulation. Let me read you from Wikipedia. Jacob Jeremiah Sullivan is an American attorney who serves as the United States National Security Advisor. He previously served as Director of Policy to Barack Obama, National Security Advisor to then Vice President Biden and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary Hillary Clinton of the State Department. He served as a senior advisor to the U.S. federal government at the Iran nuclear negotiations and a senior policy advisor to Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. He was a visiting professor at Yale. So he left law school. He went to clerk for a judge. He then went to clerk for Stephen Breyer. He practiced law and he taught law. And then he worked for Amy Klobuchar, the senator who connected him to Hillary Clinton. Oh, he also worked for the Brookings Institution's president, Strobe Talbot, at the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization. Talbot was a Clinton administration foreign policy wonk. So dude was a lawyer who clerked for some judges who went into politics and never left. No real world experience. And now he's advising the president of the United States. And what have they done? They have funded the Iranians who sent that money to Hamas to kill a bunch of Jews. They funded the Houthi who are now firing missiles at the United States. They took the Houthi off the foreign terror list. They were loudly opposed to Donald Trump putting them on the terror list. They took them off. This literally, they did it. This is one of the things they did on the first day. This wasn't six months into the Biden administration. This is one of the first things they did to repudiate Trump. And now they're having to put him back on the list, but they can't bring themselves to admit Trump was right. So they're doing a different sort of designation as a global terror organization, but not on the actual terror list. So banks can't freeze their assets. We are run by an administration full of people from the nonprofit sector and careerists in government who have no real-world experience. They have produced an effect foreign policy that has led the world to the brink of war. Don't believe me. The United Kingdom's defense minister yesterday said we are in a pre-war phase. We have crises in Ukraine, a crisis that didn't exist when Trump was president. We have a crisis in the Korean Peninsula, a crisis that did not exist when Trump was president. North Korea moving to a war footing against South Korea. We have the situation with China and Taiwan where this administration is bending over backwards to accommodate China. And now we've got a spreading war in the Middle East. This is Jake Sullivan and Joe Biden and their vision of the world. It's a very Jimmy Carter-esque vision of the world, which is not a surprise. Joe Biden is one of the few people in America who liked Jimmy Carter and his administration, and they wanted to rethink 
American foreign policy. They wanted to tie things to human rights. They degraded our relationship with Saudi Arabia. They allowed Iran to get footholds in portions of the Middle East by giving them money, thinking that if we talked to Iran differently, if we made kissy face with them, if we squatted to pee with them, maybe they would like us. And instead, what have they done? They've killed a bunch of Israelis, Jews around the world. They fired ballistic missiles at American positions. They've armed the Houthi who are firing on cargo vessels, disrupting global world trade. This is all the result of the Biden administration. You either lead or you do not lead. You don't squat the pee on the world stage, Joe Biden. That's what he's done. That's what Jake Sullivan's done. That's what this entire apparatus has done. They have regressed the world. They've made the world a more dangerous place. For all the bellyaching about Donald Trump and his team disrupting and destabilizing the world, Vladimir Putin wasn't in Ukraine, and Israel was at peace, and North Korea was not threatening to invade South Korea. And all they've got, all they can do is they can fall back, well, actually, Donald Trump really set the stage for this, and it's happening under our watch. We're three years in, and it just keeps getting worse. We're headed into a fourth year of this administration, and the academic elite who've never had a job in the real world think they know how to solve the problems of the real world. They've barely lived in the real world. Jake Sullivan will be lionized by the media because they're all in the same circle of jerks together, blinding each other in the bathroom. I I have utter contempt for these people. Absolute, utter contempt for these people. How many Americans are going to die? Do you know we lost two Navy SEALs, it appears? It appears, yeah. Have you heard this? Two SEALs, this mission to disrupt this, this vessel sending arms to the Houthi. Two SEALs have gone missing. We can't find them. It should have never come to this. It should have never come to this. And meanwhile, you've got the defense secretary who can just disappear for weeks on end without anybody knowing. This is absolute chaos in this administration. And our American media, if they weren't a bunch of men who squat to pee and weren't circling the wagons around Joe Biden to prevent Donald Trump from coming, they would cover this fairly and honestly. But they can't because they're all in this together. They're all in this together. This world is on the brink of war globally. Because of this administration, they have funded Iran, they've funded the terrorists, the blood is on their hands. We've lost, apparently, some Navy SEALs in this operation. It should have never come to this had they taken a strong stand first, had they left the Houthi on the terror list. This would not have happened, but they had to come in and rethink everything that worked because for the value of rethinking it. And now you've got thousands of dead Jews. You've got the the people in Gaza dead. You've got this entire situation, and it is on their heads. They will never be held accountable by the media because the media is in the same tribe defending them, scared to death of the second coming of Donald Trump. But just consider that they've had to undo their big hullabaloo celebration of giving justice to the Houthi. Why? Because it turns out Donald Trump was right, and Jake Sullivan and Joe Biden continue to be wrong.
Phone number is 877-973-7425. If you text the word DATA, D-A-T-A, to 33777, you can not only subscribe to my daily email, but you can also pre-order my book. Uh, I would very much appreciate it if you pre-ordered my new book, You Shall Be As Gods. comes out later this year. Uh, you can pre-order it now. The purges have begun. I hear often from callers to this program, from people on social media, that the left is so much more effective than the right. The purges have begun, starting in Virginia. Bob Good is a Republican congressman. He is the leader of the House Freedom Caucus. He's one of the most uh, ideologically principled members of the House Republican Conference, a committed conservative, willing to oppose his own side, to advance the conservative agenda, but he backed Ron DeSantis. The Trump campaign is trying to make an example of Bob Good and purge him. They have put up a challenger to Bob Good solely because he was disloyal, even if his principles are right. This is why the left is more effective than the right. It has nothing to do with the right surrendering and caving so much as this. The left is a, a committed to an ideological agenda. Too many people on the right are not. It's about the man, not the ideal. Donald Trump is not a principled conservative. You may think he is, but he's not. Donald Trump is not. He has ideas he wants to advance. They may or may not be conservative. Right now, they want to use government for for his ends as opposed to the left's ends. He doesn't want to fix entitlement programs, something every conservative wants to do, things like that. But it's about advancing him, not an ideological mission. And on the left, they advance an ideological mission. On the right, we're going to purge ideologically driven conservatives because they were disloyal. That's why we're going to keep losing over time. One of the groups that's trying to put points on the board for conservatives and small government is Americans for Prosperity. And they'd love to have you on their team. They advance the mission of small government. They want to advance it with you. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up with them and fight the good fight. They'll teach you how to be more effective uh, advocating for free markets and free people, for limited government, for school choice. They are in the states where there are school choice fights right now, and they are helping uh, put points on the board. They are rallying conservative activists to go door to door in the districts of those Republicans who are blocking it from taking place to educate local voters. There's polling out that shows local Republicans uh, super support school choice. They're raising awareness. They're going to state legislatures. They're teaching conservative activists to be very effective conservative activists. You can be one of them. Americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go sign up with them. Be one of four million activists around the country fighting for limited government and freedom. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, Happy to have you. You can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get the live stream, the podcast, the show notes. Follow me around social media. I, I hate to ask you guys this. I, I actually do not like to do this, but kind of got to these days. We're, we're growing the show. We're picking up stations. It's kind of absurd the number of stations who want to know how many people listen to the podcast to put you on their station, which is absurd because I'd rather you listen to the show live on your local radio station 
then subscribe to the podcast. But it's become one of those necessary evils and metrics that stations judge you by. So if you would text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, subscribe to the podcast. I'd appreciate it. It helps. Although, there's a great story out. Uh, I think of the Wall Street Journal, no, Semaphore, the other day. You know, Apple has stopped. though They've adjusted their metrics for podcast counts. Because, you know, you subscribe and you don't actually listen over time. Well, then they stop downloading. Apple's changed how they do it to make sure they're getting actual listeners. And the top podcasts in the world, they've all collapsed in number of listeners because nobody's actually listening to them. Um, You should listen on radio. Why? Because I cover breaking news. You hear my podcast a week later, it's not relevant. But you listen to the news live or, I mean, in delay, but same day, you're you're getting the current state-of-the-art news as opposed to waiting forever. That's why we cover the news here. It gives you something you're not going to get on the podcast. In any event, I want to go to the phone calls before I move on. Uh, Matt has been waiting. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing all right. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm good. What's going on? Well, so I am a millennial from about probably the middle of the generation. I was born in 88, and I did not vote for Trump in the primary. I voted for him twice in both in the general elections. Um and consider myself conservative, but I am at the point now of being so tired of the options we are being given that I'm just about ready to say, you know what, never mind, and just I, I really am at the point of not wanting to vote for Trump or Biden because these are the morons that we're given as options. Um, to, to use a, a saying that you have said, you know, if you're if if they're trying to make you eat a poop sandwich, then. At this point, it feels like they're they're giving us two candidates that are poop sandwiches and telling us to pick which one we want to eat. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to eat either one of these. Grade D, but edible. Um, you listen, you are not alone, and I don't know that either party understands this because, I mean, both sides take this get-in-line position. you got to choose the evils of two lessers. Uh, and and suck it up. And there are a lot of Americans who are fed up. Now, and I, I and, and man, I'm I'm kind of talking past you to everyone else to to make sure everyone understands this. That there are a lot of people like Matt, who are statistically significant in the numbers of of people like them, who will just say, screw it, I'm not going to vote for either of these guys. I'll just leave it blank. And that has a dramatic and cascading effect on the electoral politics in the country. Uh, and and people want something better. Uh, I, I honestly, I think it'd be good if Haley wins in New Hampshire and and shakes up the race a little bit, gives Trump a run for his money, whether you like her or not. Um, unless you're a Trump fan, because we, I myself, I'm already exhausted by the process, and we only just had Iowa, and I know oh, yeah. way too many people who are like, I'm not voting for one of these eighty year olds, and I hate to see so many Americans not vote for president, but I, I think that's going to happen. I, I suspect we may have one of the lowest turnout presidential races we've ever seen. Yeah, well, and I mean, and I'm going to still go vote no matter what. I will vote for other, you know, for Congress, for congressional uh, stuff and, you know, any ballot measures and things like that, but might just leave it blank for the president because I, I feel like it, we're at the point where until we just choose to stop participating in this flawed part of the process that nothing will change. 
Yeah, and, and you know, for, for further perspective, Matt, let me just take my state of Georgia where Biden won by 11,300-some-odd votes, but there were 40,000 people who refused to even vote in the presidential race. So uh, the margin of victory was smaller than the margin of people who refused to vote in that race. And, yeah, I, I, I know a good number of people who are in your boat, and, and I think that should be a wake-up call for the parties that uh, find a younger, fresher face to run for office and— who knows if Trump's the nominee, maybe the Democrats will do that before their convention and pull the rug out from under us. But look, well well noted. I, I appreciate the concerns. I wish I had a better answer. I think that both parties have decided to make a suicide pact and and go for it. Um, kind of like what they're doing to all of us with these electric vehicles, trying to force us into them. There's a story in the Washington Post today, and I cannot get over the fact that they are championing this story. Here's the headline. This is in the Washington Post from Daniel Wu. They drove from the Arctic to the South Pole in an electric car. Scottish adventurers Chris and Julie Ramsey wanted to prove their electric SUV was as rugged and reliable as a conventional car. To do it, they decided to take it on a drive. That drive started in March on the frozen waters of the Arctic Circle near the North Pole. It ended in December Nine months and 20,000 miles later at the South Pole in Antarctica. The Ramses say the globe-trotting expedition is the first of its kind. Now, you got to listen to this story. Because remember, they, they want you to believe that their little Nissan electric vehicle, it can drive from the Arctic to the Antarctic, so you can get one too. L- listen to some of this. This is, this is parts that will go overlooked. The Ramses partnered with Arctic Trucks, a company that organizes Antarctic expeditions, to plan the polar expedition and modify a Nissan electric SUV. Engineers strengthened the body and installed a mammoth 39-inch tires that could handle the ice and snow of the Arctic. Chris, a coffee lover, even had an espresso machine installed, but they left the battery and powertrain untouched. But wait, it gets better. Once the Ramses reached the Canadian mainland, they only used recharging stations and outlets and homes volunteered by passersby. At times, range anxiety crept in. Chris noted the modifications to the vehicle halved the Nissan's roughly 300-mile advertised range. As they continued through Calgary, Alberta, and Vancouver, British Columbia, before entering Washington State, they faced another challenge, unreliable charging stations. The Ramses praised the size and coverage of the electric vehicle charging network in the United States, but said they often encountered stations across the country that weren't working. They crossed into Mexico from Texas and drove down the Pan American Highway to Panama, where they took a ferry into Colombia to bypass the forested Darien Gap at the Panama uh, Columbia border. As the charging network for electric vehicles grew sparse, the driving became tense. Before the trip, they partnered with an energy company in LX to arrange the installation of more than 20 electric vehicle charging stations in countries, including Chile, Peru, Ecuador, and Colombia, where they spotted gaps in the coverage of the existing stations. Oh, who among you hasn't partnered with the energy company to insist they put in a charging station before you make a route. See, it's just like your electric vehicle. But my favorite part is this. 
Temperatures plunged to under minus 50 degrees, and the terrain varied between slippery ice and hidden banks of snow in between driving days. The Ramses either slept inside the car or in a tent pitched on the ice. The remote location meant the Ramses couldn't eschew fossil fuels entirely. They recharged the vehicle using a gas generator. Well done, folks. Well done. <laughs> they bury this little nugget in the story. They drove from the Arctic to the South Pole in an electric car with a bunch of gas and a gas generator to charge the car. Well done. Well done. Way to bury the lead. Now, there's something else here, too. Have you heard about this? We mentioned it very briefly, but we've got more news on this today. People from Memphis to Chicago have had to leave their electric vehicles abandoned. They focus on Teslas, but it's not just Tesla. They can't charge. It's gotten so cold, they can't charge. With Chicago temperatures sinking below zero, electric vehicle charging stations have become scenes of desperation, depleted batteries, confrontational drivers, lines stretching out the street, the Donner Party dying. Might have made that last part up. While it's cold like this, cars aren't functioning well, chargers aren't functioning well, people don't function so well either. Javid Spencer, an Uber driver, said he's done little else in the last three days besides charge his rented Chevy Bolt and worry about being stranded with a dead battery again. Mr. Spencer's 27. He set out Sunday for a charging station with 30 miles left on his battery. Within minutes, the battery was dead, and he had to have the car towed. With more people owning electric cars than ever, cold snaps this winter have created headaches for electric vehicle owners as freezing temperatures drain batteries and reduce driving. In Chicago, with wind chills plummeting to negative 30, people are being stranded in dangerous conditions. And what they want you to know in this article which first appeared in the New York Times, is that it's not like this in Norway. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Some of the countries with the highest usage of electric vehicles are also among the coldest. In Norway, where nearly one in four vehicles are electric, drivers are accustomed to taking steps such as preheating the car ahead of a drive to increase efficiency. Charging stations see longer lines in the winter since vehicles are slower to charge, but that's become less of an issue because Norway's built more charging stations, and the majority of people in Norway live in houses, not apartments, and nearly 90% of electric vehicle owners have their own charging stations at home. Oh, to be like the Norwegians, those of you stuck in apartments with your little Tesla, Sucks to be you. You should be Norwegian. They have their own homes. Can't afford them here, but there you can. They've been trying to get you in electric cars for years. They've incentivized it. California intends to mandate it. And when it gets cold, you're stranded and you may die. You may freeze to death in these temperatures. Do you know what the Kansas City game, uh, Kansas City against uh, who are they playing? Um, they, the Kansas city, uh, the, the dolphins, that's right. It was the dolphins. I saw that game. Taylor Swift nearly fell out the window. 15 people had to be hospitalized during the game. 15 people had to be hospitalized because of exposure to the cold. 
you drive your little Tesla out there or your Nissan Leaf or your Chevy Bolt and it, the battery runs out and you can't charge it because the battery's not warm enough to charge, you're going to freeze to death. But helpfully, if you have a gas generator and lots of tanks of gas, you can drive all the way to Antarctica in your electric car so long as you have the fossil fuels along the way to make it work. This is a cult. This is a cult. This is absolutely a cult. If you want an electric car, God bless you, go get one. Um, my CFO for my small company has a Tesla. It, it comes with a battery warmer, thankfully, for him. He loves his Tesla. God bless him. The fact the government wants you to be in one in these sorts of conditions is absurd. They're throwing money at you to try to force you to do it. They're degrading your appliances, your water heaters, your air conditioners, your HVACs, your dishwashers, you name it. They're doing it all for the cult of global warming. Your life is more miserable. Things work less. And now you're going to freeze to death waiting for your car to charge because it can't. Thanks, Joe Biden and the environmentalists of the left. You people are in a cult, and you're trying to use the power of the government to force the rest of us into it, and you don't care if we die because that'll be one last mouth breather putting carbon dioxide in the air. So there's an upside for you there in our deaths as well. You should not stand for it. They're even trying to control how you spend money. Yo, this is absurd, the growing body of evidence that um, outside forces, particularly left-wing groups coercing businesses to try to shape how you spend money. Swiss America has been sounding the alarm on this, their secret war on cash. Soaring interest rates are out there. The banks are teetering on collapse, and you got corporations conspiring to control how you spend money. They want to send you their report, the secret war on cash. Your copy's free. All you do is call or text 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency, and it's spreading. Get the free report, the secret war on cash. All you do is mention my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text 800 800- 289-2646. That's 800-289-2646. Or visit SwissAmerica.com slash Eric today. SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K. This report's completely free. You can call or text my full name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. Message and data rates may apply. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They're in Noonan, Georgia, and they can help your business anywhere in the nation grow. Now, l- l- let me do a, a I, this is usually just a, a short plug for them, but but if you're, if you're a business and you want a lender that's going to be around the Frost family that runs for somebody, they've been around since the 90s. So five years from now, 10 years from now, you've developed a relationship with them. They're still going to be there as opposed to so many banks these days and other lenders where it's just someone different every time you got to re-explain your business to them. If you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, deals like that, you need $250,000 or more, see if the Frost family can help you. They're great people. Develop a relationship with them for your business. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. All their contact info is there. Uh, this is a short segment, so be patient, those of you on the line. Um, I kind of went long, my tirade against the electric cars nonsense, and I got I to gotta mention this story to you because this is, is offensive and bizarre. The Gaza protest in New York City decided to march past Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital in New York City and protest in front of the hospital, not just any hospital. They fight children's cancer there. So just think about this. They blocked the Brooklyn Bridge into Manhattan. They've blocked a tunnel into Manhattan. 
and then they converged on Sloan Kettering Hospital on MLK Day to protest children fighting cancer for being at Sloan Kettering. That's it, cancer. They protested the children. Why? Because according to them, Sloan Kettering is funded by Zionists. And apparently those Zionists are funding the hospital to help children fight cancer, and that's bad. These people are gross and disgusting. Shame on these people. They blocked the hospital. Families were forced to find different entrances to get into the hospital, as were doctors. These people are bullies. They should be shunned, shamed, ignored. They should be fired and never hired. Uh, What a disgusting thing to go protest your pro-Hamas protest, anti-Jew protest in front of a hospital disrupting and making so much noise while the kids inside are fighting for their lives against cancer. This is just disgusting. This is who these people are. They continue to reveal themselves. You should believe them. They're not fighting for justice. They're not fighting for rights. They're fighting for a terrorist organization, and they are terrorizing children with cancer in the process. Shame on them. They should disgust every single one of you. Their parents should be ashamed and disgusted of them. They should be shunned, fired, never hired, and driven from polite society. Yeah, that. Uh, can you imagine... Your child is undergoing chemotherapy, and you got to hear death to the Jews coming through the windows? This is ridiculous. Make sure they hear you. They're in the windows. They yelled with a microphone. Another complicit institution yelled the protesters. A complicit institution because they took money from generous donors to fight childhood cancer. And again, I still think we need a law that if these people are blocking your commute, you can just keep driving. That will solve most of the problems. Good gracious, these people are revolting. When we come back, we got to move on. We got a lot more to talk about today, folks.